0: We've got to a point where we're growing and it's amazing and there's momentum and it's a great to see this growth it's great to see all the all the stories hear all the stories about the things that God is doing in our midst and yet we we could easily fall into the temptation to begin to coast well hang on a minute we've got comfortable chairs we can sit on these comfortable chairs and enjoy ourselves and yet God is wanting us to not get comfortable and I want this is my challenge to us today that we don't get comfortable because it's human nature to get comfortable. It's human nature to begin to, to see success and begin to coast. We've got momentum. We can kind of put our, take our foot off the throttle for a little second or two and begin to coast. It's the human nature that, that is within all of us to want to kind of settle back down. And as we settle back down, things begin to slow down. And before you know it, it's ground to a halt. And I want to come against that in a little way and encourage us and stir us up just a little bit. And so I'm going to preach to you today from a a little sentence that's found in the book of Philippians that I find one of my most inspiring passages in the Bible. And in it, Paul is writing, and for me, there's a formula in it of how to live a successful Christian life. And I think we can apply this to the life of our church and we can apply this to us as individuals. And we're going to discover today that those things are, are linked So let's have a look at this passage, it's in Philippians chapter 3, from verse 13, and Paul says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Now in that passage, there are three keys that I want to pull out, three keys for successful living, that if we can apply these to our life, we're going to see extraordinary things take place in the life of our church. The first one is this. Paul says, one thing I do. One thing I do. In the New Living Translation, it says, I focus. I focus on this one thing. Paul had this power of focus in his life that propelled him, that kind of drove him from deep within him to keep doing what he was doing in terms of planning the early church, encouraging and pushing forward the life of the church at that stage. It's extraordinary to me that Paul at that time of that writing of that that letter was in prison. He was in prison and yet he had this focus within him to not look at his surroundings, but look beyond the walls of the prison to what was going on in the life of the Philippian church. Now, focus has the ability to do that in your life. If you can harness focus, what it does is it pushes you toward one thing. Now, focus is more than just about what you're about. It's just as much about what you're not about. Because what focus requires of you is to let go of a bunch of things in order to have one thing. You've got to let go of the things that they might be good things in your life, but you're willing to let go of those good things to have the one thing. It's giving up the things we love for the things that we love even more. And that's what Paul was all about. He was a man of extreme focus. He wasn't thinking about his surroundings. He wasn't complaining about the prison food. He wasn't thinking about the quality of the room service. Instead, his eyes were looking beyond those prison bars at the function of the church, what was going on around about him. And his heart was so focused, he had this desire to see the church move forward. You know, at the time, Paul could have been contemplating his execution. He could have had letters, he could have had, there could have been words going around that, you know, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, your time's up, you're on death row, this is what's going to happen to you. And yet, We don't see that feature in his writing because all he's about is the growth of the church. All he's thinking about is the function of the church. If you and I can develop that type of focus about what we're about, and as I said, equally importantly, what we're willing to not be about, we can do extraordinary things. So at Oasis Church, we've said to ourselves, well, what are we going to be about? And what it boils down to is The mission of the church that Jesus gave his disciples, that moment when he was on the mountain before he ascended back to heaven, he gave this charge to his disciples, these these poor blokes who were just wondering what was going to happen next. And he said to them, I want you to go forth and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he gave him that strong charge, that big picture vision about what he wanted them to go and do. Big picture. So at Oasis Church, we've thought to ourselves, well, how do we harness that? How do we have a vision for the future that's big? Honestly, church, it's bigger than these four walls. It's got to be. We can't be content with just filling this room. We have to be willing to push forward to a Blue sky imagining what the future could look like because it won't be complete until all the earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. We got to keep pushing ourselves forward. So we've decided to make it simple because we want focus in our lives as a church. So we've boiled it down to these three areas, these three steps that we're asking for everyone to take. The first one is that we want people to find life. Find life. It's the first and most important step that we as Christians must take. Everybody knows if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the power of a transformed life. You know what can happen to a surrendered life. when at that point when we come before God and we give up our life to Him and we're asking Him to bring a transformation and guess what happens? We are transformed in such a miraculous and mighty way. It's much more powerful for us to come to the foot of Jesus and experience that transformation than it is for them, for people to come in and experience our church service. As good as it is, as amazing as the worship is, as good as the prayer times are, as good as the the kids' uh, ministry is, we know that people need to find that connection with Jesus Christ, that powerful moment when they touch heaven. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to introduce people to Jesus Christ by any means, by any means. So that means that we want to encourage you to by any means go out there, bring in your family, bring in your friends, bring in the people that you meet, you know, in the shops, whatever, wherever you find them, bring them in. Introduce them to Jesus Because we know that when they find life, something transforms on the inside of them. That's our first step. The second step that we want everyone to to make is to grow. First step, find life. That's the very first step that we take. But giving your life to Jesus Christ is only the beginning. You understand that, don't you? It's not a ticket in heaven like, oh, well, I've got my ticket here in the air. I've got my golden ticket and I can cruise now. No, it's the beginning of a journey of growth. It's the beginning of a journey of growth. What we want to do at Oasis Church is to grow. We want you to grow. We want to grow. We want you to grow. We want to make it so uncomfortable if you decide to not grow. We want to make that so uncomfortable for you that you don't like it anymore. Because we want to make that it's like, no, you don't have a choice to not grow in this place. We want you to grow. We want you to make the decision to take that next step into into growth. Why is that important? For sure, it's important to you. And you might say, well, look, me deciding to not get over my addiction, me deciding to not forgive, what does that matter to everybody else? It matters. It matters. Because when you're willing to grow, when you're willing to move forward in your life, to make that decision to forgive that person or whatever it might be in your life, that frees you, that you become a weapon in the hands of God. You become available and willing to to reach out and help other people. But if you are unwilling, you are unavailable and you're unhelpful. God wants us all to grow and that is the next step that we must take. The third step is that we need to make a difference. We're called to find life, to grow, and finally, as we grow, to make a difference. To make a difference in the lives of those people around about you. You are called to be free by Jesus Christ for a purpose. You are are on this earth if God was just happy with you just to be saved and just to be set free, you would be transported into heaven instantaneously. And I would think that would be an amazing thing, to be honest. I'd love to be in heaven right now.
1: But we are on the
0: earth right now because we have a purpose, because we are on this earth to make a difference in the lives of those people around about you. That's what we are called to be. That's what we are called to do. We are called to have a life. It's full of purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, Life Track starts next week. It's our four-week program that we have for every single person who comes to Oasis Church that you can learn a little bit about this church. You can learn a little bit about yourself. You can find out about your passions and your calling and where you fit into the structure of this church so that you can make a difference to other people. Fulfill your purpose. I want to encourage you, church. We're not here to be pew sitters. We're not here to sit and enjoy a service. We're here to make a difference. There are people out there who do not know Jesus. There are people out there who need change. They're waiting for change. And as Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. We, the many, can make a difference if we are willing to. Church, the best is yet to come. If we are willing to step out, fulfill our calling, step into what God is calling us to do. Focus. Paul was talking about focus. We need to have focus. We need to give up the things we love for the things that we love even more. To live a life of focus and meaning. The second thing that Paul said, he said three things. The first one was about focusing on one thing. The second one is this. He says, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. If we're going to move forward as a church into all that God has called us to do, we need to be willing to forget what is behind. We've all got a history, right? We've all got things that have happened in our life. Perhaps it's been our doing. Perhaps it's been somebody else that's done it to us, that has the potential to keep us stuck in our past keep us caught in in the behind caught in the history of what happened to us and you know what happens in life when there's a trauma when something's bad maybe it's an injustice maybe it was just a bad experience but if we're not willing to work through that thing to deal with it it chains us to our past it chains us to our past. So it's like a dog that's staked to the ground with a chain. And all they do is walk around and around in circles around that chain. They can't move forward into what they're called to do. They're stuck. And as they walk, they focus on the stake in the ground, they walk around and around and the chain gets tighter and tighter and tighter until all they're doing is stationary. I don't want us to be stuck like that. I don't want you as a, as a person, your person, own journey that God has called you to do, to be stuck in the past, to be stuck where you're not supposed to be anymore. Sure, that thing was painful. Sure, it was traumatic. But we need to learn to forget our past, not in the sense of sweeping it under the rug, but in the sense of facing up to it, dealing with it, so that we can move forward into the things that God's called us to do. He has called you and me into extraordinary things, if we're willing to let go of our past. And to be honest with you, Paul, we often think about Paul like he was some saint, some perfect person, but he wasn't that at all. Paul had a history. He had things in his past that he would rather forget. You know, Paul murdered, actively went after Christians and he murdered them, encouraged them to be stoned, encouraged them to be persecuted. And then God deals with him. He becomes a Christian, a follower of Christ himself. And yet he's got this history that he's not proud of. The shame of the past could have crippled him. It could have kept him locked in his past, just kept looking back in shame. Oh, I'm so embarrassed about what I did. But he wasn't willing to allow himself to be chained to his past. He said, forgetting what was past, forgetting what was before, I'm going to... The next step, I can't say that just yet. Forgetting the past. Guys, if we're going to move forward, if you're going to grow as a Christian... You need to learn to forget the past. And it's not just the traumatic things that happen in your past. Maybe it's the successes of your past. You know, we can get a bit cruisy and a bit full of ourselves when we've had some success, when things have gone well for us, and we, we can kind of coast on the success of the past. Just because, you know, you're in the high school football team, just because you're in the cheerleading squad, that doesn't, that doesn't count anymore. We're in the present. We're old. Well, speak for myself. Nearly 50 people. Ah! We can't be chained in the past. We can't allow the successes or the failures of the past keep us there. What is God saying to you now? What's he asking you to to do now? What's the moment? This is the moment. Okay, let's move forward to our final point. Paul says, I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal. That word press, he didn't say I glide forward. He didn't say I ease myself forward. He didn't say I soar an eagle's wings forward. He said, I press. I press. Press is a hard word. Press, to me, says that I'm pushing against something that's almost immovable. It almost won't even budge. So, for illustration purposes, I've got a photo that I found. Um, (laughs) This is me. Oh, I was five years old. This is in Germany, and we lived in Germany for a short period of time when I was a kid. And um, so, my dad set this photo up, as my dad often did when we were on our travels, and we were at a hunting lodge and um, found this. This is a wine press Fortunately, I wasn't wearing my um, my lederhosen, which they made me walk around in from time to time, but um, <coughs> <like> leather pants. <laughs> I didn't have my leather pants on, but um, anyway, I was pushing against this, um, and the sepia gives it away, right? Like, this is not an Instagram filter. This was like a real photograph. This is what photos turned out like back then. Um... But here I am um, pressing against this wine press, which is almost immovable. Obviously, there's no chance I would ever be able to push that thing and notice the chocks in place, so that's not going anywhere. Um, But Paul was asking us to press, to press, and pressing, like I said, it's almost immovable. It's almost immovable. You know, Paul was in prison, surrounded by bars, and four walls. He could have just given up. He could have just decided, well, I'm, I'm just going to resign myself to my destiny. I'm going to be executed soon. The church can be what it can be. But he wasn't thinking about that at all. He was still pressing. He was still wanting to see growth in the church. He was still exhorting them to move forward. He just knew that victory was his in Jesus Christ. And he was willing to keep pressing. And church, we've got to keep that mentality in our hearts, that willingness to press, that willingness to keep pushing forward. And you might say to me, man, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of me. To be honest, it was all that I could do to get to church today. And you're asking me to press and you're asking me to change the world. There's just one thing, if we can just boil it down to one thing, I would say this. Sure, you don't have to kind of big picture change the world in one day, but you can take your next step. And that's what I'm asking of us today. that willingness in my heart to take the next step. So my question today for you is what is your next step? Because your next step is an extra. I was going to say a fancy word and I can't pronounce it properly. But your next step is linked to the growth, to the success, to the victory of Oasis Church. Big picture. Your little next step, which seems to be inconsequential, is going to make a big difference in the long term of this church. Your next step to forgive is going to make a big difference for everybody else. Your next step to invite your neighbor to church is going to make a big difference in the life of our church. Your next step to do life track next week is going to make a big difference to the life of our church. Those little steps that we take all accumulate because we are a body of many people. If we are all willing to take that one next step, we collectively can see extraordinary things take place in the years to come. And I promise you that the best is yet to come. I just know without a shadow of a doubt that God has a plan for you and he has a plan for us. And it's going to go beyond these four walls. It's going to go way beyond it if we are willing, if we are willing. So I want to pray for us right now, guys. Why don't we just all close our eyes, bow our heads,